Welcome to Story District Presents, a podcast for people who love live storytelling. I'm Amy Sedman, your host and the director of Story District, a nonprofit in Washington, D.C. that's been dedicated to teaching and showcasing the art of storytelling since 1997. In each episode, we do two things. We bring you a story from one of our shows, then we meet with the storyteller, and we find out more about what it takes to tell a great story. This season, we're bringing you stories of the seven deadly sins. And today we bring you a story by Jenny Splitter about the sin of gluttony, excessive eating. Jenny performed this story at a show called Lent, stories about things you've had to give up. Here's Jenny. I grew up under the iron fist of a true California health nut. My dad's a 1960s activist type, and for him, healthy eating's an important issue. So if I were to eat bacon or spread butter on my bread, I may as well have been steering the Exxon Valdez. (laughs) And it's never seemed fair to me because my dad's naturally skinny. In fact, everyone in my family was naturally skinny except for me. My dad, my sister. To be fair, my mom did struggle with her weight as she got older, but she spent her prime teen years in size two skinny jeans that she altered to be even skinnier. Between that and the fact that I'm the only gingy in the family, I sometimes felt like I didn't quite fit. I went on my first diet when I was 12, and my mom tried to be supportive. Oh, don't worry, dear, someday in childbirth, those hips will come in handy. Spoiler alert, I have two children, no. (laughs) But my biggest weight loss challenge came as an adult, uh, after the birth of my first child, actually. I had gained 60 pounds during that pregnancy, and at birth, my son weighed just a little bit less than that. (laughs) So, for some reason, I don't know why, I thought the weight would just like magically melt off. And when it didn't, I I went to see my doctor and said, okay, so like, when's this coming off? And uh, she just looked at me and said in her cold, hard voice, that's all you, dear. And I, I panicked, I really panicked, because the number had never been that high before, and I was like not sure I could, I could get it off. And this is around the time that the Atkins and South Beach diets were really popular, so I decided, okay, that's it. I'm gonna cut out all carbohydrates. And in the beginning, it was like amazing, like the weight just melted off, but um, I was kind of crazier than I've ever been on any other diet. This one day, I was out uh, with my husband, and the baby's, like, strapped to me, right? So you can't really see me. We run into this friend of ours, and he comes up to us and says to my husband, Oh, hey, man, how's it going? You're looking good. You look like you've lost a few pounds. And I snapped. I was like, "Um, he looks like he's lost a few pounds? He looks like he's lost a few pounds. What about the person next to him who had the baby? How does she look? And I knew I sounded a little psychotic at this point, so... um, I tried to just kind of laugh it off, but it just sounded maniacal like, ha ha. (laughs) But there was really no stopping me at this point because I was like in crazy diet mode. And then I got invited to this wedding. And the thing about this wedding is that I knew the pastry chef. Or or more importantly, I was familiar with her work. Like (laughs) real buttercream frosting, moist cake, everything you want in a good wedding cake pretty close to my goal weight at this point, like maybe 10 pounds out, and I thought, okay, you know, you can go to this wedding and have one piece of cake, right? So, the day of the wedding comes, and I mean, the bride is beautiful, the flowers are gorgeous, the food's delicious, blah, 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 where's the cake, right? So, at the end of the evening, 
the cake comes out and I get my piece and I take a bite. And I mean, I can taste it right now. Like, it's that magic that happens when butter meets sugar that is real buttercream frosting. And then the piece is gone. And so I have another piece and another piece after that and one more after that. That's four pieces of wedding cake. And I am triggered. I am triggered because it's been months since I'd had any kind of flour or sugar-based product. And I just want to eat every piece of cake in this room. So I tell myself, okay, you know, just like, Put down the plate, step away, get some air, you know, you know, take a breather. And, and that's what I did. I was sort of wandering around this wedding. And I find myself down, wandering down this dark hallway with just a swinging door that led to the kitchen. <laughs> Outside the door is a garbage can. Inside the garbage can, really, I would say almost rising out of the garbage can. <laughs> is this piece of cardboard piled on top of which are many, many pieces of cake. And I do not stop to think about what I'm going to do next. I just like dive in and I'm like shoving cake in my mouth with wild abandon. And after a few minutes, I, I hear this noise behind me. So I turn around and it's one of the caterers and he looks horrified, pretty, pretty horrified. And I want to say something, you know, like, oh, it's not what you're thinking. But... My mouth is full. <laughs> My hands are in the garbage can, so that would not be accurate. So I don't say anything. I'm just like a deer in headlights, you know, standing there. And finally, he kind of politely looks away and, and walks by me into the kitchen. And I'm just like left standing there thinking, wow. 2004, lots of firsts. I had a baby, I got a condo, and now I'm eating cake out of a garbage can. <laughs> I'm eating cake out of a garbage can. So eventually, like, I step away from, from the cake and the garbage can and the diet. Well, that diet. Because, I mean, it's been years since then, and I've, I've been on plenty of diets, and uh, I want to say I've never eaten cake out of a garbage can again, but... It's not like I haven't been tempted. Thank you. I feel like this story is a cautionary tale about dieting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of the things I think you do beautifully in that story is... You really take us to exactly how you're feeling in the moment. And you do a great job of making the scene of the trash can. You slow it down and we, we, we feel you in the hallway and then seeing the trash can and then seeing what's in the trash can. And it's such a hilarious line when you say, well, it's really hovering over the trash can. I see you through the eyes of the person who spots you. You just do such a great job with that. I think what worked for that story was that a lot of the things I say, I didn't, I know on some level it's funny, but I don't, like, I actually kind of believe them. Like, but really, it really wasn't in the garbage. Like, I really believe it on some <laughs> level, I guess. So I think that somehow 
work to make it funnier. Well, actually, I think it's another great example of people are always like, how do I make my story funny? Oh, I got to have a joke. It's not a joke. It's just radical honesty. Yes. It's like this honesty with yourself. It's saying and that back and forth between what's in your head and what's happening out in the world and that um, back and forth is what makes it funny. Right, because the because the core of, of, the, of storytelling is being honest. So it's like you have to go to that drive. You know, you have to follow that instinct more than just trying to be funny. Yeah. The story is actually pretty personal, right? It's about a, a difficult time in your life in a way. So how, how do you feel about sharing those kind of things to an audience? I think in a weird way, it's almost... I want to say it's easier because I do feel like being vulnerable in a story is like very challenging and important. So I don't want to say like it's easier, but I guess there's something so rewarding in pushing yourself to just be like completely, as you say, like radically honest. Lots of different people have a worst food story or dieting story. So a lot of people will come up afterwards and be like, this one time. <laughs> and food is so emotional. And so it's like, it's really interesting for to see the different reactions and that's always like the best part I think to talk to people after you tell a story and they connect with you in some way you know and sometimes it's like someone like very it, in fact a lot it's at times and maybe this reflects like my own judgments on people it's somebody very very put together like it's always someone super put together and they come up and they're like I also had <laughs> an experience with cake So I think actually some of the best fodder for stories is our lowest points. Yeah. And so it's great that you'll go there. Those are moments of change. Those are moments of self-awareness. And what's great is that by shining a light on this thing that might be embarrassing rather than hiding behind it and having shame, putting it out there, having some self-awareness, laughing at it is very empowering. It allows us in the storytelling process to have a different relationship with some of our lowest points yeah and it sounds kind of cheesy but it is weirdly healing because it's like you say it enough times and you're like yeah that's what happened and you just I don't know I guess get to like excise it from your from like instead of like the deep dark shameful part of your you know subconscious you just kind of like shove it out there in the light yeah I think so and it kind of gives you some control over it yeah it's not controlling you you're you're in the driver's seat I think when you get to Interpret it and, and share it the way you want it to be yeah. shared. So in addition to storytelling on the side, um, you write, correct? Right. I am a, a freelance science writer and I write about food, science and health. Did you ever imagine that this would become such a part of your life, storytelling? No, not at all. <laughs> Kara Foran, who I'm friends with, like she got up the first time and was like, this is what I always wanted to do. And I was like, wow, I did not feel that way. Because <laughs> for me, I was like, whew, glad it's over. Like I had so many different feelings, but I wasn't like, boom, got it. Like this is my life at all. It's more like, oh my God, that took so much out of me. That's so interesting. So you're still pulled towards it though. You, yeah. it's, it's torture. Kind of, but a you keep bit. doing it. <laughs> yeah. So what does keep you coming back to tell stories? I think I come back because it is this amazing, unique 
like feeling when you are out on stage and people are kind of getting your words directly from you and reacting in that moment. Like there is nothing like that. Because I write a lot of stuff that like it's a totally different process of where, you know, you're solitary writing on your computer and it gets published and then it's kind of put on the internet and then there's back and forth on the internet. Like there's this feeling of of being separated from the audience, you know. But yeah, when you get on stage tell a story, that feels really intimate. And like when people I let and even in that story, there's so many funny reactions that happen in the moment. Like people, when I get to the point where I'm talking about going down the hallway, somebody inevitably will be like, no. <laughs> like they're gonna stop the story. Like, it's like not gonna happen. Like, no, it always happens and I love it. Like there's only they're just like, do not do this. <laughs> like they know where this is headed and yes, it's not. It happens good. almost every single time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, thank you so much for coming in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. That's it for this episode of Story District Presents. We're so glad you're listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and most importantly, keep listening. To get tickets to a show, sign up for a class, pitch a story of your own, or hire our consulting team, visit storydistrict.org. And once again, we're raising money for season three. Your donation will help make this happen. This show is made possible in part with funding from the D.C. Commission on the Arts and Humanities. Our show is produced by Lizzie Peabody, Ronald Young Jr., Alana Nevins, Nick Hill, Tim St. Clair, and Jackson Bierfeld. And special thanks to Jenny Splitter for joining us in the studio. I'm Amy Sedman, and this is Story District Presents. We'll see you next time. So what do you do for a living? I'm a freelance, sorry. Freelance. freelance. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that too many times. <laughs>